Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Used Gamers Podcast. My name is Chris. I am going to be host and only speaker for this episode of the show. Here's what's going on. It's been a little while since we've done one of these things. I think our last episode was... Oh, somewhere around September of 2020. And um, yeah, for any of you who are human beings who have lived through this time and aren't listening to this at some point in the far-flung future, um, there's been a few things going on in the world these last few years. So uh, yeah, this show has definitely fallen by the wayside, but here's the deal. Here's what here's what's going on. Here's what I'm thinking about the future of the Use Gamers podcast. So we started this show in October of 2012 at the urgings of my wife, who uh, realized that myself and my good friends, Mike and Jared, were just ranting and raving about our adventures playing video games. And I, since I liked podcasts so much, why didn't we just go ahead and record that? Because if we were interested in that stuff, then maybe other people might be interested in that, too. And we kept up with that to varying degrees of success <laughs> ever since then. Um, last year was trying for a lot of people. This last year, I should say. And uh, on this final evening of 2021, I wanted to try to put together something that we could have to bridge the gap between where we've been and where we're hoping to go. So my plans as of right now for the future of this show which are always subject to change, but for right now, is that um, we recorded episode 67. Yeah, that was our last episode, 67. Um, I would like to see if we can carry this show forward till October of 2022, which will be our 10-year anniversary of doing that. So anybody who's done podcasts for any time knows that... Um, 10 years is a really, really long time to stick with any of those kind of things. So um, uh, yeah, whatever that looks like, we've had gaps that are really big. We've had gaps that are really small. We were a couple of times where we recorded episodes less than a month apart. And we've had several episodes that were more than six months apart from each other. And uh, were it not for this recording this evening, we would have missed the entire year of 2021, which <clears throat> is understandable. A lot of people have a lot of a lot of things going. There are more children of the hosts than there were when this show started, uh, even since the last episode we, we recorded. So congratulations, Mike and Marcy, uh, on that. Uh, that's awesome, you guys. That's so, so cool. So here's what we're going to do. Tonight, I'm just going to provide a little sort of catch up on my last year plus of gaming. Um, Mike and Jared are both very, very busy right now. So hopefully those guys can join me again. I would be super happy if in the next year we can crank out another six of these episodes, which I think if I did my math right, would get us to episode 75. And that would be about the 10 year mark from when we started. And then at that point, we decide to either sunset the show and say goodbye, or um, maybe it becomes something different. We'll see uh, if you are hearing this. Number one, I'd be very surprised if anybody's listening to this. But number two, uh, if you are hearing this, uh, yeah, let us know what you think about that. Is there something else we could do with this? Is there something we've done in the past before that you'd like to see us go back to? Or is there something you're not hearing anybody else do that you think we might be in a position to pull off? Uh, in the time since our last episode, I've been very involved with a podcast that I do weekly from work. So it's kind of funny to be round in the corner to the 90s on that show, uh, having started last, I don't know, what was it, last March or April and now we're coming up on uh, almost hitting episode 70 after almost a decade of doing this show. So it's a much different recording schedule. So my plan for tonight is just to go ahead and go through uh, my notes from where we've been since the last episode. And I'll just kind of crank through and see where it's gone. So it's going to be sort of like a little narrative exploration of where video games have fit for Chris. There's been a lot of good ones uh, and a lot of uh, fun experiences on new machines since we last spoke. So uh, I have this thing where I think ever since the show started, I've uh, kept uh, notes in my phone about every game that I've beaten every year. And I think that goes back to 2013 because I think when I started taking those notes. So uh, what game I've beaten, what games I've beaten uh, a couple of years ago, I started tracking what date I beat the game on and then what systems or any other little notes I made for myself. So I'm just going to give everybody a little tour of the last year plus 
of Kristen video games. And uh, yeah, there's been some new hardware, some new experiences, some things I fell into deeply, some things I fell off of quickly. Um, if I fell off of it, it's probably not on this list because it's probably something I didn't see through to the end. But hey, let's see what we've got. So uh, we start with October 1st of 2020, which was about a month, less than a month after our last episode we recorded. And um, that I have recorded that I played through Super Mario Brothers 35 on the Nintendo Switch Online NES Entertainment Service. I don't know what that thing's called. But um, yeah, so uh, Nintendo has put out a couple of free titles as part of their online service. Their online service is not the most robust thing in the whole world, but um, but yeah, one of them is a 35 player multiplayer uh, Super Mario Brothers experience for the 35th anniversary of Super Mario Brothers, which is pretty awesome. And I recorded October 1st is the date that was the first date. It might've been the only time that I actually finished number one. Um, and I think the way that that worked is you just played through levels of the original Super Mario Brothers um, with other people. And if you die, you were kicked out um but as you killed enemies and got coins and got power-ups that would add um time to your clock and that would i think throw kind of trash enemies onto your opponent's screen so got real close a lot when it first came out and then finally finishes number one so super mario brothers 35 i don't think you can play that anymore i think that game is gone now from their online service which is too bad because i think it was kind of a fun little diversion not as robust as something like tetris 99 but uh yeah still pretty fun so what else we got here metal slug x on the neo geo mbs that's October 31st. So happy Halloween for that one. So I have uh, an MVS cabinet in my little home office, which is soon to be moving to a slightly smaller space, but the cabinet is still coming with me. And um, yeah, I, a couple of years back, I threw a multi-cart into that thing. So I don't know what got it in my head that I needed to sit and play through the entirety of Metal Slug X. But, you know, many arcade experiences are not too much to them if you have unlimited continue so just sort of sat in front of that thing pounded away and hit the uh continue uh button more than a few times in order to get to that i really like those metal slug games they're super fun and you know when i think about a neo geo that's one of those series it definitely stands out as as a notable one so that's what he had for october 31st we jump all the way to november 13th and uh what i have listed here is super mario brothers game and watch normal and hard so uh let's see last november i guess two novembers ago um what is time? Uh, Nintendo started releasing the first of uh, these little Game & Watch throwbacks that included uh, some of their more recent titles. So the Super Mario Brothers Game & Watch included um, the original NES Super Mario Brothers, uh, the Japanese Super Mario Brothers 2, and... Gosh, what else? I think it was some version of like a juggling mini game or something that was on the one of the original uh, Game & Watches. But yeah, so um, this thing's about the size of a credit card, has a really, really bright, I think, IPS screen, which is pretty great and um, and is awesome. So the buttons are tiny. The D-pad is tiny. But other than that, feels pretty good. And not only was I able to play through it, has uh, anybody who's listened to the show, I play through that game multiple times a year, every single year. I uh, was able to do it uh, on the hard setting as well, starting over from level one one and uh with i think it replaces like the goombas with those little beetles that you know have shells fly fly all over the place so yeah i was able to play through a couple different versions of super mario brothers on the game and watch that's a fun 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 little handheld going farther into the year uh there were a couple of what looked to be metroidvanias i guess that had been on my radar for a little while and um on november 29th i beat vigil the longest night on nintendo switch um this game really 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 uh sunk its hooks into me this game has a very painterly sort of art style um when i say metroidvania that's a very very good description of what it is 2d side scrolling up and down left and right um warps to different parts of the world uh an unbelievable soundtrack um i can't remember the name of the artist i think he's from iceland who did the soundtrack for that game there is a track called shallow graves that i think is the only i have to think about this i think it's the only video game music i've ever listened to like outside of the game itself like i'm not it big into game soundtracks i know a lot of people have 
you know, orchestrated Final Fantasy soundtracks and stuff. Like I, I never listened to video game music outside of playing video games, but that soundtrack is one exception that it's just absolutely mind blowing. It's it's better than it has any right to be. And that one track, I believe it's called Shallow Graves. Um, check it out if you have Spotify or any of those streaming services. It is an un believable track a really sort of driving acoustic guitar with some pretty heavy percussion in the background it's a really really cool game um issue with that game was that it was really really buggy at launch to the point where i advanced to probably just within a couple hours of beating the game and my save got borked and i couldn't even restart it it was really really frustrating um eventually the game got patched to a point where I was able to continue from the point that I left off, but I had to stop playing for months and keep a close eye on their Twitter profile and see what was going on with the game. So good on the developers for finally getting that game fixed, but man, that was a frustrating wait, but I'm really, really glad I waited through it because it was, it was really, really fun and a title that I recommend people check out if they like those kind of games. Another one, um, another Metroidvania, I guess I played through uh, December 7th, was the game that I beat the game Foregone, F-O-R-E-G-O-N-E, one word for Switch. Again, um, what was remarkable about this one, I think, was the animation. This is another sort of pixel art style game, um, you know, mainly ranged weapons, uh, I think, from what I remember. It's been a while now. Um but but you know nothing super remarkable about the the overall kind of experience of it it's a very sort of bog standard metroidvania but uh really really beautiful pixel art i think the audio was pretty cool from what i remember but um but yeah a, a fun experience one that i liked not nearly as much as i like playing through vigil but it was worth the wait and definitely one that if it comes up for sale and you like those games would be worth checking out and that was the last game that i beat in 2020 was december 7th and so then we jump ahead to the current year at least current for the next two and a half hours as i'm recording this on 2021 the first game that i beat january 9th ghost of tsushima so this was one that i think i had picked up uh, around october or november of the previous year and chipped away at a little bit and then finally decided to like really really give it a go and this is one i would have liked to have talked to mike about because i know he played through it as well and had a good time just an absolutely fantastic game i mean open world sort of samurai <clears throat> uh, game where you know i think there's some branching storyline that goes in there but um this is when i spent a lot of time kind of chipping away at side quests and various points of it but i think at the time the game launched and there's been sort of a expanded director's cut or definitive edition ever since then that's even come out for the new consoles i think there were sort of three main areas to the game and i spent so much time playing through the first one and playing all the side quests and all the upgrades. And by the time I hit that second area, I was just ridiculously overpowered. And then I just pretty much sprinted to the end, which I don't think was the best way to sort of, you know, give the game the attention it deserved for all the character work that it included. I remember making it to the end of the game. Um, and there was, uh, you have, I think four or five kind of main NPCs that kind of follow you all the way through to the end of the game. And one of them, I had no idea who he was. I think I somehow missed out on all of his missions or at least all of them that were, you know, not completely essential for the critical path of beating the game. So, you know, I'd spent a lot of time with these, this sort of samurai mentor character and this woman whose husband had died and, you know, has this sort of tragic story. And then just this other dude shows up and I'm supposed to like have the same relationship with him as everybody else. I don't know what happened to that. That's one that I think I need to revisit on the newer consoles. So, but as a PS4 experience on the PS4 pro, Oh my God, that game is beautiful. That was super, super fun. Um, speaking of super fun, another game that I picked up uh, kind of on a whim because it had come out uh, near the end of 2020 and very quickly um, reduced price very, very aggressively um, was watchdogs Legion, which I beat on January 18th. Um, <clears throat> I had not played much of the original watchdogs, maybe not any, I don't think I ever borrowed it from Mike. Um, but, um, 
the reason I was interested in picking up Legion number one, I think I got it for like $13, which is ridiculous because it came out like the previous October. Ubisoft games do not tend to hold their value very well. Um, like last year when we played through the Division 2, which I purchased for $5 is a good example of that. Um, I purchased this game because it takes place in London. That's maybe my favorite city in the whole world. Place I went to school, place I visited multiple times and a place that my wife and I had recently been. Uh, well, actually... I think about this. Yeah, we had been in March of 2020, uh, got home literally the day before they shut down the airports due to this new thing called COVID-19, which everybody was just now learning about. So, yeah, it's it's an amazing open world. Um, the sort of gist of uh, Legion is that there's no sort of named main character of the game you can kind of assume the identity of any npc in the entire world and um sort of bring them into the fold to be a member of deadsec which i think was a sort of a hacker underground group that came out of the second watchdogs um which i never played and uh make them sort of your main agents and i sort of picked up on two or three characters that i thought were kind of cool there is this um like indian doctor who i got a cool haircut and a cool you know, Parka that I kind of made look like he was a member of Oasis. And then there was like a middle-aged woman who was supposed to be like a spy or something. So just kind of bounce back and forth those characters. This story was me, um, but the city was incredible. And my wife and I spent some time uh, walking around to see if we could find some of our favorite pubs and, you know, the museums we like to visit. And because it's modern day London, um, most of that stuff is there. It's just a really, really impressive uh, technical achievement that they're able to kind of get that story. And so that's one that had a upgrade for the current uh, generation of systems that was free that included ray tracing and things like that. So um, yeah, maybe worth going back to someday, but who am I kidding? There's so, 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 so many games that to revisit another one, especially a big one like that would be kind of, kind of tricky. Um, well, speaking of uh, big experiences, <laughs> I have recorded for January 24th, um, Hades, which finally came out on Switch, which was a game that I was very, very much looking forward to getting to play through. I think it was just about every news outlet's game of the year for 2020. Um, which I think it finally officially released um, out of early access and released on uh, console, at least on Switch. Uh, maybe only Switch by that time, actually. Um, and I wrote uh, Switch and I wrote Single Run because... Basically, Hades is a run-based game just from Supergiant Games, people who made Bastion. It's it's absolutely gorgeous, incredible voice acting, incredible gameplay, incredible audio, incredible music. It's If you haven't played it, you absolutely have to play it. There's, there's zero excuse for not playing Hades. It's on everything now, and it's you know, $20 at most. You can probably get it for less than that. Um, but sort of minor spoiler alert, it's a run-based game, um, and you're... Um, the son of Zeus and you're fighting to make your way out of Hades basically. And uh, you want to get out of, Oh wait, Norris Hades, your dad. I'm so confused now. Uh, it's new year's and I've been drinking for a while. So, you know, forgive me for forgetting the details. I think that's right. I think Hades is your father. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just an absolutely really, really impressive game, but in order to get all of the pieces of the story, um, to really understand what's happened, you have to play through the entirety of the game. All, I think it's four biomes that you have to play through. Um, it's like 3.25 because I think the final level really is just the final boss. Um, you have to play through it 10 times. And each time you beat it, it gives you a little bit more of that final story. So until you've played it 10 times, you don't get that whole story. I made a note for myself for the first time I beat the final boss, which was quite an achievement because I was, you know, to get to the point where you're strong enough and adept enough to doing that takes some doing. And uh, it's randomized as far as what upgrades you get. You get to pick what your weapon is. Time I got to start with. You could change it around. I believe the shield is the one that carried me through uh, that one. Just a fantastic game. That's one that I almost definitely will pick up again at some point, especially on the switch. Just such an easy thing here. Uh, next thing I have on the list is kind of a weird one um, for Valentine's day, January, no, February 14th um, Terminator resistance. Uh, I got the platinum for that game on PS4. So what inspired me to play through Terminator resistance? I think um, 
there's really not too much about this game as far as hype was concerned. Um, the general idea was that this game was supposed to sort of provide a bridge um, between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 and kind of a, a timeline to help explain, you know, forget sort of everything that came after that in cinematic terms. But this was supposed to be the idea of, you know, you get to play through a game that's set in the resistance times post judgment day, you know, in the future war, which is not something that's explored in much detail, at least in the first several movies, most of those things are present day or alternate timelines, you know, before the war happens. So this was a cool opportunity to do that. It, it, it ties into the first two games in a really interesting way. Um, if you like the music and the sound effects, especially of the original Terminator, um, it's a real nostalgia pull and it's fun. It's a real sort of basic little first person shooter. I don't think it took a whole heck of a lot for me to, to get the platinum for it. There were a couple of little things I had to chase down here and there, but I really enjoyed it. This is another one that I picked up because it, it was going to have a, a, a free upgrade for, you know, the new consoles, you know, at some point in the future. So yeah, Terminator resistance. I think that some DLC just came out and maybe I'll check it out. I think it's supposed to have to do something with Kyle Reese. So that's pretty cool. So I'll, I'll get back to that one. Maybe at some point I'm kind of shaking my head because I know realistically that's not going to happen. Um, what I have next is one that I kind of forgotten that I played through uh, and I chipped away at over a long period of time uh, because it was on switch that fine little system that's torchlight 2. Um, when the original torchlight came out on console on the Xbox 360 that was a game that I really really liked I basically I liked the idea of a game like Diablo but I didn't like something where I didn't actually have like actual control over my character as opposed to just clicking on enemies. Like I wanted to actually be able to move around and swing swords and stuff like that. That's what Torchlight was kind of an arc arcadey, you know, stripped down take on that sort of thing. And I never got that far on the original Torchlight, but I know that Torchlight 2 had a lot of sort of um, quality of life improvements as far as you know, having a pet that helps you to fight and that you can overburden with all of your leftover junk and send him to town to sell it for you. And then he comes I'd like just really, really cool stuff like that. And they finally released it on switch, which um, years after the original game came out, but man, I picked it up day one because I was so excited to go back to that and I had super fun little experience. I traveled a lot at the beginning of 2021. Um, and uh, that this was like my airplane game. So this was one that I would play whenever I was uh, kind of coming, going to or from the various places I had to go. So good on you, Torchlight 2. You were a fun little game. Another little game uh, that follows in this one, just three days later after I beat Torchlight 2 is Cyber Shadow, which I played on the Xbox One. Um, Cyber Shadow is a, mm, let me say, I want to say Metroidvania but I don't think that's accurate. I think it's very straightforward. Basically, um, picture if they made a sequel to the NES Ninja Gaiden games, but in the style of those games, but with the technology available in you know this part of the 21st century, that's essentially what Cyber Shadow is. So you play as a cool ninja who's fighting cool ninjas i don't nobody cares about the story but this was one that was on game pass so um yeah i mean it 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 was a, a very 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 difficult game uh but you know beat my head against it until i was able to make progress through the end and had a really really good time and picked up some of those achievements i used to like so much on the way so cyber shadow i think it's still on game pass that's one that if you like those old games Man, no reason not to pick it up. Well, speaking of old games, <laughs> it's just kind of a fun little trip through the past to go through these notes. Um, on March 13th, I played through Mega Man 2, and I played through Mega Man 2 on the BitBoy Pocket Go. So at some point during either the end of 2020 or 2021, I got really interested in, um, in sort of retro-themed handhelds. So basically um, really relatively inexpensive handhelds out of China, whose job was basically to be little emulator boxes and emulation, something I've had fun with in the past. Um, I remember accidentally figuring out how to hack my Wii so that I could load a homebrew channel onto it, which let me play Nintendo and Genesis and GBA games on it, which was super awesome. Um, 
I was able to get RetroArch and uh, RetroPi um, running on a Raspberry Pi. And, you know, I built a little mini arcade cabinet a little while back, you know, but um, just the idea of, you know, being able to take retro ROMs on the go was something I became increasingly interested in. And the BitBoy Pocket Go was like the lowest point of entry for that possible. It's this tiny little system. I think I ordered it for like $30, if that, um, through probably AliExpress. You know, one of those things where you order and it's inexpensive, but it takes like three or four months for it to get to you. Um, yeah, and had it loaded up with, I took all those old ROMs that I had on the Wii years ago. I still have that same SD card in that Wii. Um, pulled it out, dumped it onto a mini SD card, stuck that inside this little thing and it played pretty fantastic. It's got a tiny, tiny, tiny screen, two inches, maybe. I mean, maybe even smaller than that. So um, at this point, I now wear reading glasses. So I wish I'd had those back when I was playing through that because that certainly would have helped. But yeah, it's a, it's a fun little machine. I, you know, I don't really utilize it that much because it's been replaced by another machine that I'll, I'll mention in a little bit when we kind of get to it. But um yeah, it Mega Man 2, you know, it's one of those games that kind of like Super Mario Brothers. I want to go back to every now and again just to make sure I can still play through it and was able to pull it off. That one was not as easy <laughs> as Super Mario Brothers. And I think I had to look up some stuff about how to get through Wily's Castle. There were certain bosses I couldn't quite remember how to get through, but yeah, you know, got back to it and you know, I'm glad I did because I definitely was able to to finally make some progress through that thing on this tiny tiny little screen. Um now, right around that same time uh, was uh, my birthday is that same week. And um, right around that time, I also received an email from Sony um, saying, hey, you Sony user man, uh, would you be interested in buying one of these new fancy PS5s that we have for sale? If so, come join the queue and maybe you'll have a chance to buy one. And this is right around the time where I had been seriously thinking about getting one. Um, I had been at, at my wits end trying to get one of these systems ever since um, a little while after they launched. I think I had decided, nah, this is not for me. I had pre-ordered a digital PS5 Back when the system was originally announced, I sold that system uh, the day it came out to one of my great friends, Chris, who I grew up with in California, who now lives in Texas, so that he could get it to one of his friends. So had Amazon just ship it right to him um, and made somebody else's day <laughs> because I decided if I was going to get one of these, I needed it to have a disk drive because I had way too many PS4 games that I still wanted to be able to play on it through backwards compatibility. And somewhere around there, I was finally able to pull that off. I don't remember where it was. I remember right around my birthday, I almost pulled the trigger on trying to get one of these things through like one of these pretty shady like Twitter accounts that sort of, you know, if you're interested, let us know and then send us a DM and we'll, eh, I'm really glad I didn't follow through with that because I was eventually able to just get one right through Sony. And man, that thing is a very, very large hunk of plastic and metal, but it's a very, very impressive system. Um, and the first game that I played through it, uh, played through on it, I should say, was Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales um, PS5. Just an absolutely wonderful game. I mean, we talked about the original Marvel Spider-Man on the show before and how much fun it was. It's just about a perfect video game. And Miles Morales just picks up right on that, but with, you know, complete lack of load times and crazy visual fidelity and a shortened length of game, which as listeners who've heard this show before know, I value quite a bit. And I did not mind one bit at all that that was more like, I think, a seven or eight hour game than a 12 to 15 hour game like the first one. So really, really impressive first uh, thing to pick up. And what's funny is that um, it must have been relatively early in the day when I beat it, because that same day I beat another PS5 game. <laughs> That's a game called uh, Maquette. Maquette is a game that was free for PS Plus and is a narrative puzzle game. First person narrative puzzle game where you're basically kind of playing through the story of, I guess, the life of a relationship of a couple I'm guessing probably in their twenties, they're pretty young based on the story that's there, but you're um, the, the gameplay gist of the story is that you are moving 
through these models, which maquette, I think is just a French term for model, scale model, and um, of, of a world of a town. But the the weird gist, this is kind of hard to explain. The, the gist of it is that if you sort of pull back from the model itself, you see that that entire world that you're in is, is itself a model inside of a bigger version of that same world. And that sort of mirroring effect of going deeper and deeper, deeper to the picture and farther and farther and farther back and bigger and bigger and bigger versions is, is kind of the way you go about solving the various puzzles that just carry you forward through the narrative of the game. Really, there's no enemy, so to speak, but um, it's a very pretty game, you know, not sort of photorealistic, but um, really visually impressive. The music was incredible, had some really great kind of folk indie music. Um, that was one I can remember calling my wife in from the other room, like, come, come and listen to this. This is you really like this. This is awesome. So yeah, that was a fun one to kind of play through. Obviously a short game because I played through the whole thing in one or two sittings, maybe once. I think the whole game is maybe two hours long, but worth checking out. Speaking of things worth checking out that were on the shorter side, but man, we're super, super fun. April 13th, I uh, played through Astro's Playroom, which is the um, pack-in game, as it were, with the PS5 that basically acts as a um, technical showcase for the controller more than anything else and for the system itself, but the same way that we sports was, you know, the title that really showed you what that system can do. That's what Astro's playroom is. And it's just a real basic 3d platformer that basically charges you with being a little robot who goes through these levels that essentially tell the entire history of the Sony console lifespan. So starting from the PS one, all the way up to the PS five, um, with these like incredibly detailed models of every piece of hardware that's launched in that time, you know, the hard drive adapter for the PS2, the camera attachment for the PSP go, you know, we just anything you could imagine like these, like really 4k rendered incredible 3d models of every piece of Sony hardware that's existed in the gaming space since beginning of that. So if you're a fan of, any piece of hardware that Sony's put out since they started in the nineties, then what an incredible nostalgia pull. And it's a fun little game too. So I think there are a lot of outlets who said that was amongst the best games that they played of the year. And I can totally see why. Um, so moving away from Astro's playroom and moving back into uh, travel games where I had things that I was playing on the go, because again, going back and forth for work a lot um, monster hunter rise, on the switch was a game that I beat on April 22nd, just over a week after that. Um, Super, super fun little game. Now to say that I beat that game is maybe a little disingenuous. I mean, you talk to anybody who's a big fan of the monster hunter franchise and what it means to actually beat one of those games is a matter of some debate, (laughs) but um, I saw credits on it. How about that? I beat the boss. That is the main sort of, threat to the world as you're playing and um got credits on it and then you know a whole other world opened up in front of me where you get into master rank and all that kind of stuff i didn't really mess with any of that kind of stuff but a super fun little game i really like monster hunter world a lot when that came out for um the big boy consoles and so in some ways monster hunter rises a little bit of a step back visually it's not as impressive as monster hunter world um the way that everything's laid out is a little bit more like the older monster hunter tiles it's it's not a one seamless world kind of the way that game was um you're kind of launching into these little you know mini versions of different sections of maps but i really really enjoyed it i think it was a lot of fun um it was obviously enough for me to carry through all the way to the end which i didn't do with monster hunter world so yeah i mean just a really really cool realization of a more modern monster hunter tile title for um their updated system so to go from one really new at the time <laughs> the title for the switch to go to a very old one um i wrote uh what do we have next april 28th super mario world on the switch online service so at some point uh between when i was playing the old nes titles on there they added super nintendo to the um free games that are included for you to play and download if you pay for the uh subscription and super mario world became kind of like the 
uh, evening entertainment for those of us who were working on this work project in Arizona. So we were basically working in an animal facility. I mentioned that I'm an animal trainer and so are the other guys who work on the show. Um, and uh, there were at any given time, two or three of us that were out in Arizona kind of sharing this housing situation and then going every day and doing this work. Um, and uh, by the time we were done every day everybody was exhausted and we're still in the middle of covid while this is happening so it's not really like we're going to go out and hang out with people so um yeah the switch became kind of like our evenings entertainment and especially for a couple of the people who were in the house who just played an insane amount of super mario world and at some point uh one of them uh realized she was just beating her head against you know the rainbow road or some really hard part of it and said you know i realized hey we're almost at the end of this thing can i just can I beat it? <laughs> Can I fight Bowser? So that's what I did. And we rolled credits on Super Mario World on April 28th. That still is such a incredible video game. And I was just commenting earlier today online. People were asking this question, this Twitter poll. Um, one of these has to go. One of these has to stay. And the two titles that they mentioned were Super Mario Brothers 3 and Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And I said, definitely Legend of Zelda, a game that I really have not played much of. But I think Super Mario Brothers 3 is one of the most overrated um, NES games. I, I think it's good. I think it's very good. Um, I'm a much bigger fan of 2, much bigger fan of Super Mario World. Um, there's just something about that game 3 that just doesn't hold up as well for me. But World is like absolute classic, man. That's that's God tier game right there. So good job, Super Mario World, for continuing to be very, very playable. <laughs> um, on May 17th, so we skip ahead a little bit. Um, I, I remember being in a little bit of a gaming rut and not knowing what I kind of wanted to go to next and kind of started looking through the titles that I had on my shelf and said, you know what? Here's one that I've missed out on that I need to get to. And I finally played through Prey, uh, the arcane release of Prey, not the one that came out for 360 by I don't remember what studio who made it. Um, that's a real good game. I wrote that I beat it on PS4 and PS5, uh, which is true. I bounced my save back and forth between both of those systems, um, which is super cool. I've got my PS5 in my office, my PS4 in the living room, and was able to kind of just um, upload that save to the cloud and play back and forth on either system. Load times were a little bit better on PS5. That's about it. Um, otherwise, the experience is pretty much the same. But if you played through any of Arcane's, you know, Dishonored games or something like that, I mean, Prey is a first person immersive sim. So basically meaning that, you know, it's a world that you're tasked with uh, achieving certain goals and there are many, many different ways you can go about it. So guns blazing, stealth, hacking, turning machines against each other, you know, all that kind of stuff, but really, really cool game set in space. If I had to think about it, I don't know that I could say that I remember what the story of that game was especially towards the end it gets pretty convoluted but um and i took my time i i, I remember spending well weeks after coming back from the work trip of just kind of chipping away at that game but really really glad i saw it through to the end and um that's a studio that i think did great things in 2021 as i'll get to in just a little bit may 17th that same day that i beat prey i don't know what it is about days i beat games when i just have to beat another game as a palate cleanser or something, uh, played through Super Mario Brothers again on the little Game & Watch, so had a great time with that. Here's a weird one <laughs> that comes up after that, so uh, I think I know where this came from. So somewhere in that um, work experience, me and my buddy Adam, one of the guys I work with, uh, ended up talking a lot about Primus and how much we both like that band and how much we thought the Les Claypool, the bass player for Primus was just an absolute genius. And we're looking up YouTube videos and, you know, following bass tutorials and just like got really into listening to that band again and started talking about all the different things that he's done since either on his own or with the band. And, um, that reminded me that he had soundtracked a game for the Nintendo Wii, which of course I then had to track down uh, on Mercari or eBay or somewhere and get my own copy so I could play through it. And that's Mushroom Men, the Spore Wars for the Nintendo Wii, which I beat on June 6th. Um, man, that game was super, super fun. Uh, Les Claypool provides all of the music um, for that game, um, some of which are, I don't, I, I don't know, this is kind of a chicken and egg thing, but he released a, a title called of 
Fungi and Foes, I think it was called. Um, and the title track of that album is Mushroom Men, which is essentially the theme song for this game, which is just it absolutely kicks. But man, I I really love it. It's a it's a song that now gets stuck in my head now a lot. Picture Primus, but with more like triangles. And if they were like a cocktail lounge band instead of like a sort of thrash metal band from the 90s. And that's kind of what that is. But I mean, uh, kind of rough to look at <laughs> by modern standards, puzzle platformer, but a neat story and fun to kind of play in a Honey, I Shrink the Kids sort of level of a world where you're something the size of a mushroom and living in, you know, a regular human sized world to run around. So just a neat little experience that took me on to, I, I got onto this weird Wii kick for some part of the middle of the year and, and bought a couple games that I didn't have uh, like dangerous creatures. I think is one where you play as a tarantula and a scorpion and something about Dennis Hopper and Billy Bob Thornton being involved with that. I was another one I picked up for super, super cheap. Wii games are really inexpensive right now. So if people are looking to go back and get into some, sort of retro stuff we is a good way to go right now but yeah mushroom men was super super fun and now i i'll pop that album on every now and again to kind of catch up to it all right uh next title up as we kind of round the end i think we're in our last 10 or 12 um some of which are much much smaller than others and i'm sure super mario brothers at some point is just going to pop up again here uh ratchet and clank but not the one you're thinking of so this is the 2015 um reboot of the original ratchet and clank movie which i or game which i think coincided with the uh, theatrical release of the Ratchet and Clank movie that they made. Um, I, you know, Ratchet and Clank had a PS5 game that was due to be released or maybe had just been released. I don't remember the timing of that. And I said, well, before I try to find a way to sink my teeth into that, I should probably go back and play this other game. And it was super, super good. That's not a controversial opinion to say that the 2015 version of Ratchet and Clank is a good game, but it's a super, super good game. That's another one that I bounced back and forth between the two systems to play. And that was super fun. Um, yeah, just a really, really good platformer. Um, Rift Apart, the newer PS5 only title, not gotten a chance to play yet. So that's going to be on my to-do list for 2022. But yeah, that that one is a super, super solid game. I never really got much into the Ranch and Clank games on PS2 or PS3. I own a couple of those titles and I've played a few, like a little bit of some of them, but I was a more of a Jack and Daxter guy. So think of that what you will. The following title, which I played through, was another one that I kind of tagged team uh, for PS4 and PS5. And that was the first title in the Mass Effect Legendary Edition release, which I beat on June 20th of 2021. Um, I think Mass Effect as a series is basically responsible for the existence of this podcast. I think it was us sitting around talking about the kerfuffle over the ending of Mass Effect 3 that was the thing that gave birth to the idea of us sitting around microphones and talking about game stuff. So thanks, Mass Effect. You're super awesome. And uh, to get to play a better looking, much tighter controlling just overall less buggy and much smoother version of the first game in the series was an absolute treat um, playing through as Femshep for the first time and just loving Jennifer Hale's portrayal of our dear commander. And uh, yeah, man, that's a good game. I have the sort of slightly unpopular opinion that the first mass effect game is the best of the three. Most people would say the second one is um, when I finally get around to playing through that second one on the new legendary edition. Maybe I'll change my tune, but I doubt it. Um, decided to, this is funny because I can't really justify why I did this, but the next game I have listed is four days later on June 24th um, that I played through street fighter four. Now that was via the arcade mode in street fighter five. So somebody must've been talking about fighting games or something on a podcast. I'm super suggestible when it comes to video games. If somebody starts talking about something they're excited about, then that's what I want to play. I want to be a part of that. I want to like participate in that excitement. So in street fighter five, in the arcade sub mode of that game, you have the ability to kind of play through an arcade mode based on one of the earlier titles. So I played through the Street Fighter 4 arcade mode in Street Fighter 5 for whatever that means. I mean, I guess I essentially played through and beat eight characters and got credits on it. So seemed notable enough for me to put it on here. So 
yeah, why not? <laughs> Street Fighter is always good. And I've said on the show before that fighting games are something I've never been very good at, but have always liked a lot. So they're ones that I will you know, always try to find time for where I can. This Guilty Gear Strive that came out this year is one that's kind of itching at me a little bit of a title I need to check out. So I need to see if I can find any uh, any deals on that there somewhere. Well, looking down the list with what we have here as our sort of sprint to the end, somewhere around this time, I uh, decided to make another dubious financial investment <laughs> in my hobby, uh, which, you know, overall, hey, I'm a pretty responsible uh, tax-paying uh, adult who's happily married and doesn't partake in any illegal activities um, that, hey, why not, you know, treat myself to some fun things every now and again, um, and was able to pick up the other new piece of big hardware that came out this year. Um, and that's the Xbox Series X. I had some uh, notifications set up on my phone for stock alerts for different things and was sitting at my desk working on something one day and all of a sudden my phone popped up and said, Xbox is available at Walmart right now. And I went, okay. And within 45 seconds, I had checked out and sort of then had to step back and go, wait, what did I just do? Um, <laughs> to the point that when the... Um, when the machine finally showed up, it sort of sat in my office unopened for maybe weeks. I think it might've been in, as I tried to sort of wrap my head around, am I going to keep this thing? Am I going to send this thing back? Was this just way too irresponsible of me to get it? But uh, finally decided I needed to. And I'm glad I did because um, I was able to play through, I think a really, really great game again, thanks to game pass. And that was the ascent um, this is one I remember kind of taking note of when it was originally announced, probably at a game awards or an E3 type thing. But, um, yeah, I guess, uh, twin stick shooter Diablo is maybe how to describe what the ascent is. Um, a better cyberpunk game than cyberpunk 2077 is what I called it when I started messing around with it. Um, not to uh, heap, heap too much, you know additional you know fire on top of cyberpunk they don't need that and i've actually really been enjoying chipping away at that game very slowly um ever since it came out last year a game that i pre-ordered a year and a half before it was actually released um we'll talk about that in some future episode but yeah the ascent was super super fun that was another game that was kind of bugged and uh, i got stuck with some quests that would not let me complete them um i eventually realized that i was able to play through the campaign um and still be able to go back and do cleanup afterwards so i eventually was able to go back to those couple side quests which were the only things i had not completed the entire game and finally complete them and get them crossed off that list if you're a person like me it's very hard when you pick up quests in games to not complete them. I don't necessarily always go out of my way to seek out everyone, but once it ends up on a checklist, I really can't go any farther until it gets taken off the list. But yeah, I don't think it had much, you know, staying power beyond that. It's a beautiful looking game and their realization of the sort of city that it takes place in is just, it's grimy. It's atmospheric. It's amazing. It's just a really, really beautiful game. Um, check out the ascent, especially if you have game pass, there's no reason not to, um, very different kind of cyberpunky experience that I played through a week later on August 22nd, I beat a game called hunt down. I think this was something I heard about on the giant bomb cast. Um, yeah, side scrolling, shooter you know what what it reminds me of more than anything else is the old robocop arcade game which i really really liked as a little kid um when that was there and so yeah it's a sort of sort of cyberpunky definitely pixel arty sort of you know that space between uh 16 bit and you know the better looking 2d 32 bit like symphony in the night that's kind of the aesthetic they're going for um you know you're some kind of an assassin making your way through street gangs or something like i don't remember but a really really fun little diversion i probably played through you know three or four days or something like that but but really neat yeah if you find hunt down for cheap it's, it's worth checking out if you like just fun mindless shoot 'em up sort of stuff um this is fun going through this list because i don't know where i got through this stuff um i decided on august 29th well i guess it took me several days to get there but on august 29th 
I finally, after a long time from when it had released, I finally played through the Frozen Wilds DLC for Horizon Zero Dawn, um, which I played through on my PS5 because I wanted to see what that looked like. And oh my God, that game still looks just absolutely just stunning. It might still be one of the best looking games ever. And um, yeah, that DLC, uh, I remember sending a note to Mike because I think Mike and Jared both played it um, closer to when it came out. Uh, I said, is it just me or is this DLC like really hard, <laughs> like really, really much more difficult than the base game? And they said, yeah, I do remember that being kind of tricky, but yeah, it was cool. I really liked getting back into that world again. Um, the ending of that game, I thought, put such a nice sort of bow on the whole experience. And when they really announced that they were making Forbidden West, the sequel, which comes out in a couple months, I was one of the people who was kind of like, eh. Why did they do that? They didn't need to do that. The story wrapped up so nicely, but I, yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. That's one I've already decided I will not be getting at launch. Um, I think Elden Ring is the only game that I'm looking forward to picking up the day it comes out in 2022. I, I, I got to back up. I got to back up. I got to back off of this acquisition of games that I'm somewhat known for because come on, there's, there's too many other great things to play through. And I'm glad I finally did go back to that Frozen Wilds DLC because great characters, cool story and help to sort of flesh out, you know, Aloy's place in that world. So really, really fun. Um, hey, going through the list, <laughs> as promised, Super Mario Brothers appears again, um, this time uh, on September 11th. Uh, I had beat it on the RG351P. Again, as I was getting into learning more about retro handhelds, um, this was a system that sort of kept coming up over and over again from a company called Ambernic, which uh, was supposed to be just, you know, pretty much a perfect little machine for what it set out to do for a, you know, sub $100 handheld, but um, plays everything up through PS1 games pretty flawlessly. Um, I've been able to play a little bit of Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time play pretty well. N64 works okay. Um, doesn't play Dreamcast or anything after that. But uh, yeah, I've got just a boatload of uh different ROMs sitting on that thing. So on September 11th, I played through Super Mario Brothers, which was a really fun experience. On September 12th, I played through The Punisher, the arcade game, uh, because it has a ton of arcade titles built into it as well. And that was one that, again, I just hadn't spent the time to throw enough quarters into as a kid. And when you remove that barrier, it turns out those games are all really, really easy and really, really short. So the RG351P just a really, really fun little machine. I took it to work and showed it to a bunch of people. Um, Scott at work really likes playing through retro stuff with his kids. I think he had been playing Super Mario. He's still playing Super Mario Brothers 3. I think he's been playing it forever. But um, I showed him, you know, what that looked like on this little machine. My buddy Corey, I showed him, hey, look, you can play Samurai Showdown 2 on this thing. And he was sort of blown away. So, yeah, some people may end up with those little things in their hands. Um, I remember them writing that number down in their phones for something for future follow-up. So very, very cool stuff. Um, speaking of very cool, we're down to our final four titles of the year and of this episode. On September 14th, a couple of days after The Punisher, I finally finished playing through the original Psychonauts on the Series X. So um, Psychonauts, when it released as a PS2 game for download on PS4, I finally picked up because I had never played that game and had always heard really, really good things about it and just found it to be really rough. Um, 3D platformer, the controls were not very precise. Um, I liked the story. I liked the soundtrack. The graphics were pretty. Meh. Um, so when I realized that... Um, the original Psychonauts was on Game Pass uh, in the lead up to Psychonauts 2 being released. I wanted to check it out. So I gave that another go and I'm really glad I did because the Xbox version, the original Xbox version that's on Game Pass is has, uh, in native 4K, um, which is a much, much prettier experience. Uh, load times are basically non-existent. Um, and it's funny because you can tell when it switches back to the sort of rendered cutscenes of the day, it looks so much worse than the rest of the game. But that game was way, 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 way ahead of its time in its storytelling, in its use of humor, um, in sort of its presentation of the world. I think that game was 16 years old, 
this year. Um, I kept hearing people say a sequel came out after 16 years. So if that's true, that's absolutely nuts. So good on you, Double Fine, uh, for putting together what is probably, I guess, an all-time classic if it's, at this point. If you can play through it more than a decade after it came out and still have fun, then good on you. So good job, Psychonauts. That was a fun experience on the Series X. Um, two weeks later, on September 30th, to go back to Arcane again, um, I played through Deathloop on the PS5. Um, Deathloop is a game that I think I would have had a really fun time talking with the other guys on the show about because uh, I had a really fun time talking to anybody who would listen about Deathloop when it came out. A couple people have named that their game of the year. Uh, As I look through everything I played, it's right up there with one that's coming up in a minute. Um, But, you know, basically you're an assassin who's stuck in a loop of time. You have to figure out how to kill a bunch of other people in order to, to break the loop and uh, you know, so much has been said about that game already. Uh, it has incredible music. Visually is just a beautiful game. Again, you know, I, I kind of have this reputation, self-imposed reputation for not liking first-person games. But when Arcane does it, I'll take anything they give me because they did such a fantastic job with that title. And it provides you a little bit more guidance um, than some of their other titles, which I definitely appreciated. I don't think I ever had to look up anything for Deathloop. I think I was able to figure out everything I needed just from the combination of experience and the in-game hints and the way that the game is just set up. I think it's really elegant and it's a title that I'll be very very happy for people to play through when inevitably it does get released as a um, game pass game when it comes out for the Xbox series of consoles. Um, It's funny Bethesda, the game, or I guess arcane is under Bethesda's kind of blanket, I suppose. Uh, Microsoft now owns them, but because Deathloop was announced as a PS5 exclusive before they were purchased, they had to go through with it. It'll come out on Microsoft consoles at some point, and everybody should definitely check it out. Um, The game I played through after that is the other one that I would have to kind of go back and forth and say, oh, man, is this the one that I thought was the best game of the year? Um, And that's Metroid Dread on October 15th. I beat that on the Switch. Oh, man, what a good game. It's funny, as I sit here at my desk recording this, I'm looking at a little site, little uh, package of premium tech decals that came with my pre-order of metroid dread that i picked up at best buy um just an absolutely stellar game i talked about the 3ds remake of metroid 2 uh as part of the show some years ago when it came out um and that was a really fun game and this game takes all that was in that and just cranks it up better visuals better experience um the best story i think any of the games have ever had with a really cool ending some fun twists and turns um just a really really remarkable game i mean it's it's one that i think it's unfortunate sometimes that some of these titles get kind of locked to the the hardware that they're released for because there are other ways of dubious legality to play this game on the systems that are not the switch, but you can't buy it for anything else. It's a Nintendo game. They come out on Nintendo systems, but that's a, just a really, really good game. It's very, very hard in places. And, um, you know, I did have to look up a lot in order to get through that game because it does not signpost certain things as well as it could. And the final boss of that game is, the same way that I felt about the final boss of Sekiro when I talked about that, how I spent 14 hours beating this one character in this dumb video game. Didn't take me that long, not nearly that long, but I did have to watch several you know, tutorial videos to see what I was doing wrong, learn from my mistakes, get my timing right so that when I did finally beat him, it felt real good. It felt real, real good. And that game, the way that it, sets up its boss encounters i think are where the game shines the most um you get in there and you have absolutely no idea what you're doing you learn a few little tips and tricks here and there so that by the fourth or fifth encounter for most people you're going to be able to get through those fights basically unscathed um which is pretty cool i think that means that the publishers have done a good job or the designers have done a good job if you can continue to make progress there so just an absolutely stellar one. Um, my favorite Metroid game of all time 
Absolutely. I played through Super Metroid much later than most other people when I was stuck in the hospital of all things. Um, but uh, yeah, the, I like this game better. I mean, Super Metroid is the pinnacle for most people. And that game was way ahead of its time in a lot of ways. But um, Dread is just just stunning. Definitely. And it's basically uh, Metroid 5. And they've said kind of wraps up the original Metroid storyline so i'm excited to see where they go next which is probably going to be metroid prime 4 so that'll be cool too because i like that series as well and the final game that i played through this year and it was all the way back on october 17th so i've been very busy at the end of this year because between mid-october and the end the very very end of december didn't beat anything else i've been chipping away at a lot of other things i've been playing cyberpunk 2077 i've been playing a fair amount of that i've been playing death's door which is a super fun sort of zelda like souls like thing on that i've been playing on the xbox um and a couple other little things here and there um but yeah not played not beaten anything i wanted to see if i could make my way through one of those to say i beat it underneath the 2021 banner but didn't make it but the last game i did play through was the artful escape which was another game pass game that i played on the series x and how to describe this game um a very sort of twee artful game it's published by annapurna which is kind of the studio that has become known as the studio that puts out these sort of art house game experiences. But the general story of it is that you are, you play the nephew of essentially Bob Dylan is a fictional folk singer, but it's Bob Dylan um, who is kind of tasked with taking over the mantle of your uncle's kind of bigger than life legacy and personality and, you know, music style and, and, turns out it's just not kind of who you really are. So it's a game about, you know, self-discovery. It's a game about sort of going outside your comfort zone to, you know, balance people's expectations of you against your own feelings of who you want to be and where you want to go. So that's pretty heavy topics, but it does so through like a psychedelic space opera with crazy 80s metal guitars and um if you hold the x button through the whole game you like shred solos on a guitar the whole time it's real real silly it's not a long game you uh the gameplay essentially consists of moving from the left to the right and sometimes you jump i don't think there's there's no combat there's no enemies um the story is fun the voice acting is really cool carl weathers plays this like crazy space rocker dude um jason schwartzman of rushmore fame and all of the wes anderson films is this like disembodied floating brain in a jar because again there's a lot of aliens and weird spacey stuff in it and um the game gets real real strange in some places but uh had a lot of fun with it and yeah it's on game pass again so why not if you've got the service it continues to be pretty much the best deal in video games and that's me. That brings us all the way up to the point where we are at the end of 2021. So I'm looking over what I've got here. And I think all things considered with everything that came out, I'm going to say that Deathloop was my game of the year. Metroid Dread was super fun, but Deathloop just could not wait to play that game when I wasn't playing it. I wanted to come back every minute of the day that I wasn't playing that game when I was really into it felt like a minute wasted because I needed to see how I could play through an area differently or line up my targets in a, in a unique sort of way. And even to the point where I finally did, you know, get through the final mission of the game, which progresses you through to credits. I just played through that final mission over and over and over again to see how fast I could do it to see if what the different endings look like, if I made different choices. Um, and I may go do that now. I may go do that before, the clock strikes midnight. We're at about 10.30 p.m. on the evening of the 31st as I kind of wrap this thing up. So Deathloop, you get the honor of being the Used Gamers 2021 Game of the Year because Mike and Jared aren't here and I make the rules when they're not here. <laughs> so hopefully we can get those guys back again so that we can revisit um, this fun hobby into the future. So if anybody's listening to this, Thanks for hanging out. Why you still had this in your podcast feed as an active show, I couldn't tell you, but I'm glad you did. And uh, yeah, 
that's pretty fun. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, we'll see what the next year holds. A um, lot of fun games coming out, and I'd love to be able to chat about them here. So maybe we're heading into the final season of the show. Um, maybe we're just going to be heading for something new. So until next time, everybody, my name is Chris. And that's it because nobody else is here. We appreciate you listening. Happy 2021. Have a safe beginning of 2022. And we'll see y'all next episode. Thanks, guys. Wow, I really don't need to record video on this because I look terrible.